God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. Welcome to our new program here on AFR called By Design, where we're going to discuss all things related to God's design for marriage. And by the way, if you visit AFR.net slash by design, you'll find information there that will be helpful for your marriage and your family. And it is so excited to be here. This is Bert Harper, and I'm one of the hosts for By Design, so we hope you enjoy this program today. By the way, our guest today that we're interviewing is Dr. Jeff Shreve, and if you recognize that name, it's because he's on AFR from his heart. It's heard 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, and I think it's heard one or two times over the weekend. I don't know. You'd have to go to the uh, site and see exactly when that is, but he's also pastor of the First Baptist Church, Texarkana, and I'm going to try to get it right. Texas? It's on the Texas side, yes. Yeah, you have to ask that question at Texarkana, don't you, Jeff? You do. You do. <laughs> so we're on the Texas side. We're very close to the border, though. Yeah. So we've been in uh, in Texarkana now for 18 years. Oh, right. And I did not know you'd been there that long, yeah. brother. So Amen. our church is hundred and uh, roughly 145 years old, and I did a, some research on the church, and uh, the longest tenured pastor— uh, before me was a guy named Laurie Hildreth. He had been there 17 years. Okay. So in February, I celebrated 18 years. So it's kind of a milestone to be yeah. a pastor that's been there the longest. My last pastorate, uh, I was there 28 years. Oh, wow. And the pastor before me had been there 20 years, and we were the only pastors that they had had oh, wow. uh, during that nearly 50 years. And yeah. now they got a third one, and he's been there right at 10 years. That's great. So uh, the tenure, there's some advantages to long tenure aren't they? For sure. That's uh, that's not a good thing for the church to say in 145 years, you've had one guy 17 years and one guy 18 years. And I think the other guy was 12 years. And then after that, it was a lot of two years, three years. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, with, uh, I think it, it says in Proverbs, uh, when a land is in disarray, many are its princes um, because there's stability when you have leadership that continues. There's so much blessing to it when you get to baptize children of children that you baptize. Right. There's some excitement in that. For sure. Well, it is good to have you today, brother, well, and you, we Bert. appreciate that. And I, I just want everybody to know you've been with us on my wife and I do fishbowl uh, ministries, fishbowl retreats, yes. and you were with us in Tyler, Texas, and we, we enjoyed that, brother, and well, we appreciate we you and your wife being there. Well, thank you. We had a great time. And because of that, uh, we're as glad to have you on this program because we're talking about marriage. And uh, I, I want to start out with this question, and we'll see where all it leads. <laughs> okay. But why is the biblical view of marriage so important in 2021? Well, it's important because that's the way God designed it. And for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God's design for marriage is wonderful. We have perverted it and polluted it and made it something that he never intended it to be. Bert, I did a sermon series uh, some years ago on marriage, and I showed a picture of a, of a Ferrari. I think it was like $600,000. And I said, this is God's design 
And then I showed a picture of a wrecked Ferrari that was all smashed and crumpled. I said, this is what people see today when they think of marriage. Mm. It's a far cry from what God, from the blueprint, from what God had intended. He intended something beautiful. And because we've rejected his word, his will, his ways, then we have marriage that many young people today, they say, I don't want to be married. You know, it's it's too risky, so much divorce. Uh, let's just live together, and uh, that's just as good. But as you and I know, that's not good. It's not. I, I found this out just observing, and then I found it out to be true. Uh, there's got to be respect for each other, but you have to respect marriage itself. Right. And I found out, Jeff, it's work. I I think sometimes people bail out because they thought it would just, okay, man, here I am. Let's go live life. But my wife has told me it's it's work living with you, Bert. And I I try to serve her and everything, but... He also not made uh, marriage, but he made male and female. And and there is a difference, Jeff. For sure. (laughs) For sure. You know, you're talking about it being work. Uh, Bert, think about some of the songs that were popular. You know, the Beatles, All You Need Is Love. Mm -hmm. Uh, Captain and Tennille had Love Will Keep Us Together. And as you know, they got divorced after 30. I think they were married for 39 years. She was extremely unhappy in her marriage, but you need more than just love because a lot of young people can easily fall in love, but it's like, hey, you're going to have to, marriage is for life, you know, for better or for worse and sickness and health till death do we part. And I think that people get off of that because it's like, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll bail out. And I tell people, sometimes I'll do this in a wedding. I'll have them say, divorce is not an option. I mean that that you just can't mm-hmm. go there. You right. got to work it out. Whatever the problem is, you got to work it out. You know, when I hear that about divorce, uh, don't even play with that word. Right. That's a word you don't have fun with. No. You know. You know. Right. If if they quote do something, uh, a check is going through or overdraft, uh, use a credit card too much. Oh, that's grounds for divorce. You don't go no. there. Yeah. Uh, it's just not something if uh, what one group laughs at, the other one will embrace. Right. And so in your own life, if you start laughing at divorce, the possibility of embracing it. So if it never comes up, right, no possibility. Well, Debbie and I, early in our marriage, we just said, hey, divorce, we're taking that out of our dictionary. Yeah, that, that's, that's not it. a word that we use because that's not an option for us. My wife and I, Jan, we did the same thing. Yeah. Amen. And we're still married. 40. Hey, we're working on 48 years, brother. Hey, that's great. Isn't that something? We're 35 years this month. Amen. On the that, 15th. That is awesome. Hey, another question I really wanted to ask, what do you recommend for a length, if you have that, of, of courtship before marriage? Uh, I, I, I Let me tell you this story real quick. I was meeting with our deacons at the church where I was. I'm with Valentine. And uh, I, we had just said we're going to do some things to make make sure that the couples we marry have a certain length of time, and they do some study during that period of time. But I want to hear your stories. And two out of the deacons that we had, they got married within three weeks after they met one another. And mm-hmm. I said, "Well, and you're still together." I said, yeah. "We'll see how it works." But right. anyway, what would you recommend for us courtship? Yeah, I think that. Um it, there has to be sufficient time to really get to know that person, to see that person in different situations, to know how do they handle stress and what are they like when they get mad, um, 
What are they like when they get scared? You know, that kind of thing. How do they respond to things? Because, Bert, I've always said, you know, you, it doesn't take a lot for you to act a certain way. It's how you react that's so critical. That shows what's on the inside. So your life's kind of like a tube of toothpaste. And when you get squeezed, what's on the inside comes out. And couples need to see uh, one another in, in pressure situations to know if this person, you know, pre- he, he presents himself, she presents herself as a strong Christian. But then I saw him in this stressful situation and all these vulgarities were pouring out of their mouths and things like that. They need to know that. And um, so there has to be sufficient time to see what's this person really all about. I get very nervous when somebody says, well, I, you know, we, we dated for a week or two weeks or three weeks. And I think back, you know, my parents didn't date all that long. I think my dad, after a week, asked my mom to marry him. But she said, I don't, we hadn't even kissed yet. And then he kissed her. And so, uh, <laughs> but they, they still had six months before they actually got married. Yeah. And so you need, I would say, it, probably at least six months to really see that person and I get to agree. know that person. Would you recommend if a crisis not happening kind of cause one to happen <laughs> to see what, ha- you know, not one that causes mistrust, right? but some kind of, I know you need imagination from God to do that. I've recommended that. I've recommended how do they respond in a crisis? How do they right. they respond to you when, when you do this? And uh, it, it is helpful if you, if one doesn't happen naturally, but usually six months to a year, it will happen. Right. Yeah, you're going to see that. I, I heard a counselor say one time he was asking a couple about, well, how does how does he act when asking the, the fiance, how does he act when he gets mad? She said, well, I've never seen him get mad. And the counselor said, well, would you like me to make him mad? <laughs> you know, you need to yeah, see that. You do. You do. Um, you're talking about your parents. Uh, even in a week, he already knew. Uh, sort of like Dr. Dobson really hurt my feelings when there was no such thing at love at first sight. He's, yes. You know, because when I saw my wife, I thought, uh, this is it. And, yeah. and she was. I told all my friends, leave her alone. She's mine. She's red, you know, has red hair. Uh-huh. And I said, leave the red head alone. She's mine. So <laughs> I thought it was love at first sight. And Dr. Dobson kind of disappointed me when he said there's no such thing. Yeah. But uh, what would you say are the keys to a good marriage, a key or one or two keys to a good marriage? Well, I think I tell people this when I do weddings. I said, listen, the, the way that you fell in love it, those are the same things you have to keep. You have to keep doing to stay, to keep your marriage on fire and growing and glowing. So communication is huge. Um, we have to, and Bert, as you know, guys can be. We can be really good at wooing this girl, winning her heart, winning her affections, marrying her, and then we kind of like, okay, I got. I got her bagged almost like she's big game or something, and now I'm going to go slay the dragons at work or whatever. And we don't keep doing the things that we were doing to really capture her heart. So women are verbal by and large, and so you have to keep talking to them and sharing with them. And, and uh, you know, when Debbie and I were dating, I mean, we would spend just hours just talking and talking and talking. And then if you're not careful when you get married, you quit doing that. And so guys are married. They want to have sex with their wife all the time, but they're not filling up her emotional tank. And then she's not interested in that because she feels like, I feel like I'm your call girl or something. I, I want you to, 
to love me and share your life with me and listen to me. And so I would say top of the list is communication. You know, when you read Dr. Gary Chapman's five love languages, one of them is quality time. Right. And if if your spouse, male or female, has quality time, I found that you just got to set that side apart. It's not going to happen unless you make those appointments. And I've heard pastors say that concerning their wife and their children, that they, and now this sounds horrible, they, they don't necessarily tell the kids that, that they put it on their calendar. This is my time with my family. And that's pastors. Now, I, I would suggest that for anyone. Yes. I mean, you better make time. What is it, date night that people right. want? And um, I think Dr. Chapman said, 20 to 30 minutes every day after you get home, both of you together, mm-hmm. at least spend that much time uh, talking. I found out cell phones can be a detriment to that. Too much communication during the daytime, and then when you get home, we men, we've run out of stuff to tell our wives because <laughs> we are less verbal. Yes. So uh, I found that to be true with me. I don't necessarily pick up my phone and call Jen. Okay, you can't believe what just happened. Right. Now, sometimes I can't avoid it because it's so good. Right. But I try to save some of that when I see her face to face and I can see her response and right. she can see mine. Yeah, I, that's good. Is that, would yeah. you say that was important? I think that's that's hugely important. I think too, Bert, as far as the, the cell phones go and iPads and all that stuff, for a lot of guys, we, that thing can become such a distraction. And when we get home, we're just glued to the phone or glued, we're playing some game or we're looking at email or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And uh, I know my wife hates that. So when we're talking, she wants my full undivided attention, my eyes on her. Um, In this idea, while I can multitask, I would just encourage our listeners, don't do that. Um, Don't do what what I struggle with doing because that your wife doesn't like that. And uh, your husband doesn't like that either. If he's trying to tell you something, he wants your full undivided attention. That's a way to communicate love when you're listening with your whole body. I do. Another question that I was thinking about, uh, in your counseling, observation, what difficulties occur in marriage more often? I know you said communication. I agree with that. Let me just, finances, in-laws, right. are they on the list? They're on the list, and I think we could maybe put a, a bigger topic on that. Unresolved conflict, because you can have conflict in finances, conflict with your in-laws, um, but if you don't talk about it and, and kind of come to a, a resolution about, okay, this is how we deal with this, I, I've talked to a lot of couples over the years, and they just have these dangling things that they just kind of throw a sheet over and, uh, or sweep it under the rug, and, and there's never a, I was wrong, please forgive me, I'm sorry, I forgive you, that kind of thing. There's never a, a reconciliation. So they, they just have an accumulation of those things. And I talk about this, Bert, uh, I'll say, you know, when I was a kid growing up, we had a garage that was so filled with junk, you couldn't put the cars in. And every now and again, my parents would say, hey, we need this weekend to clean the garage. And you're like, oh, that's no, I don't want to do that because it, we knew it was just filled with junk. People have an emotional garage like that in their marriage. It's all the stuff that they never dealt with. They put it in there and then pretty soon they can't close the door. And then when something happens, it's just one more thing, and they're just like, you know, they go to a marriage counselor, they go see the pastor, and the amount of emotional energy it's going to take to clean out the emotional garage 
it's to them, it's just easier to get divorced. It's not worth it for yeah. them. Yeah. You know, when I hear that and I think of 1 Corinthians 13, when it talks about love does not keep a list of wrongs, I think that's pretty hard for most of us to do. Mm-hmm. You have to be honest. Right. Because we, uh, we, we remember and we don't have a resolution to it. Right. And, and it comes up and it becomes, you know, emotional baggage, doesn't it? Right. And we care to, re- and we don't unpack our baggage very well sometimes, do we? No, we don't. And I think for a lot of guys, uh, there's shame associated with the, I mean, for girls too, but for guys, um, we don't want to seem weak. And if we share weaknesses uh, with our wives, and let's face it, many guys, their their weakness has to do with, with lust. And they, you can't really share that very well with your wife. So you, you have to have somebody you can share that with because um, as we're honest here, I would say 90 plus percent of men, that's going to be an area where they're going to struggle. Okay. And you and I growing up, you're a little older than I am, but we didn't have access to things like guys have access to today. And it can really mess them up. And then they don't feel like, well, where can I share this? They need to be able to share it. And they need to be able to offer to their wives a, a pure heart and yeah. you know, somebody that, that is really walking with God. When I hear you say that, what comes to my mind is accountability. Yes. And according to what David said, uh, you know, not putting anything impure in front of your eyes, you've got to purposefully uh, look at, at other that females' eyes face to face. Just make it a practice. They may think you're uh, throwing your head back a little <laughs> far when you talk, but you make that a practice. Yeah. And and you pray. Yeah. Uh, I found that praying. Lord, give me eyes only for my wife. Now that prayer, just me praying it and not putting it into practice, won't do it. But you can win that battle. Right. Uh, we, we, if we're not careful, we'll paint a picture that that battle can't be won. Right. But it can be won. But accountability is a big part of it. You said find somebody right. that you can be accountable to. Uh, how important is that? Well, I think it's really important. And let's, um, you know, when we talk to pastors, sometimes pastors, it's hard because they don't feel like, well, who can I talk to about right. this? Um, you know, because the pastor is supposed to be, hey, I'm, I'm the example. Yeah. And uh, hey, pastors are people. And they struggle with things just like everybody struggles with things. I think it's important for guys to have another guy that they can talk to uh, because it's harder to talk to their wives about those things. I mean, they can talk about it in general, but it's not good to come home and say, hey, honey, I saw this beautiful woman at the office today and I was really struggling with lust. She doesn't, that, that's going to freak her out. Yeah. Uh, but you can say that to a friend. Mm-hmm. Another guy friend, and he can understand how I'll pray for you, and I understand understand that battle. So you turn away from it. What's that scripture? You know, pass not by. You know, right? You don't keep on tempting. You don't live uh, dangerously. You don't get as close to the edge as you can without stepping off the cliff. Right. You you stay as close uh, far away from as you can. It right. really helps. Other question I had. And this is interesting, and I found this always funny when I was doing premarital counseling, even after that, your family of origin. Mm. I found out a lot of them have to overcome their family of origin. And one of the things I'd always ask in premarital counseling, when you think of your mom and your dad, if they had moms and dads at home, and that got less and less the more marriages I did. But who did you see as having the last word? 
And the reason I ask that, if it was the mom who had the last word, and and it comes from the the husband that's getting married, he'll think, well, that's my. It's possible that's my wife's job, or else he overcompensates for it, or vice versa. Right. It is really important to understand your family of origin and and letting God help you overcome those difficulties that you came from. Right, and I think uh, you know, knowing talking about it ahead of time, where it's with a counselor, premarital counseling, on the roles. What, what is the husband supposed to do on God's word versus the wife? I always tell guys, hey, you're the head coach. Your wife is the assistant coach. When you have kids, it's, that's the team. Um, you, you know, you, it's, a, it's a team game in terms of your wife and you parenting. And, but the, the command is given to fathers, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. Fathers, don't exasperate your children or bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We can't have dads to, uh, to vacate or abdicate that responsibility and just say, well, that's the wife's job because that's how I grew up. That's how my mom always did it. Yeah. Um, funny story, Bert, when, uh, when Debbie and I first got married, um, when it came to doing the bills, well, my dad always did the bills. Well, in Debbie's family, her mom always did the bills. So she thought, well, that's how it works. And so I said, well, no, that's not how it works because I'm the leader. I do the bills. And so that's she goes, okay, well, she wasn't going to buck me on that. But she had a car payment. I didn't have a car payment, so I wasn't used to paying a car. And she had this this book of, you know, it's every month you sign right. off on this. I wasn't used to that. So first month, I didn't pay her car payment because yeah. I didn't get a bill, you know? And she's like, well, why didn't you pay my car payment? I said, what do you, I didn't get a bill for your car. It was right there. It's in the book. So we learned that, um, she's a lot better bookkeeper than I am. So that's okay with me. Um, okay, Debbie, you do the books and, uh, just, I'll, I'll know where we are financially right. and we talk about every expenditure, but she was to the penny. I always said, if the bank said we had more money than I said, we were good. I hate to say it, sounds familiar. <laughs> I found out Jan was so much better at keeping those details than, yes. than myself, and it sure has worked better with that way. Uh, when you talk about you know the the head of the home and the leader of the home, I use this illustration, and there's some real good truth in it. The husband is the head, but that wife sure does turn the head. She's the neck, <laughs> you know. And I found that so true. Yes. My wife, she so many times it's helped me point me in the correct direction when I was determined to go another way. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul on the second missionary journey. He was determined to go north, right. and the Holy Spirit hindered him. It took him two times, two nights, and right. uh, he wouldn't let him. And so sometimes, even though you're the head, your direction may be helped by your wife so yeah. much. You found that? To- well, it's, think about Pilate. When his wife said to her, have yes. nothing to do with this just man because I suffered greatly in a dream because of him, um, Pilate would have uh, really saved himself a tremendous life of grief and, and destruction had he listened to the voice of his wife. Yeah. Gary Chapman, again, I've referred to him because five love languages really made the difference in my, mm-hmm. my wife's life. Uh, she had a certain gift, and we took the test. And on on her two main ones, they were my lowest ones. Mm-hmm. So learning the language, yes, and some of it's unspoken language, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it is. You know, the funny thing, Bert, with communication, I, I learned this from uh, a Gary Smalley uh, sermon once. He said, "Men, beware of your nonverbals—the rolling the eyes when your wife says something." Um, 
And I was like, ugh, you know, because I was guilty of that. That communicates to them, I think this, whatever you're saying is stupid. Um, so you roll your eyes like, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah. And we didn't say anything. We just rolled our eyes. So a lot of times the nonverbals are, are critical and you have to have a, a nonverbal that says, hey, I may not agree with you, but I love you and I, I'm receiving. I'm trying to hear more about what you're saying. You're listening by design, and our guest is Dr. Jeff Shreve, pastor of the First Baptist Church, Texarkana Art, Texas. Texas, Texas. Texas. yes. Yeah, okay. If you wonder, if you haven't got a map, look, get a map out and look and find out why yes. we would be confused. And you've been there 18 years. 18 years. 18 years. Uh, that's great. In that 18 years, and you've, uh, obviously, the family has been a priority to you in your own life, but also in your church's life. Right. Do you have any books videos, workbooks that have really stood out in your life that you could tell those who are listening, man, might need to get a copy of this. I think that uh, Emerson Egrick's book about um, love and respect, that is such a great book because it's just straight out of Ephesians 5. A husband's job is to love his wife. A wife's job is to respect her husband. I think that's a really good book. Shanti Feldhahn has for men only and for women only. Yeah. Uh, those two books, very short, readable. I think they're only like 110 pages or something like that. Those were very, very instrumental in me understanding Debbie and her understanding me. So I would encourage our listeners uh, to get to get those books and read through those books. Going back to your church, I know Tony Evans uh, at his church, he really put some qualifiers on. If you're going to get married here, you've got to come back through here before you end your marriage. Uh, premarital counseling, real quickly, it's kind of reverting back, but I did want to come back to this and revisit it. How important is that? I mean, uh, a lot of times I think the they're entering into it, you know, the engaged couple. They've got stars in their eyes, and they only see that. Yes. And uh, that premarital counseling, would you recommend churches and pastors demanding that before they conduct a, a marriage? For sure. So we at our church, you can't get married at our church unless you meet with our counselor, Chris Schroeder, and go through the premarital counseling. And it's I think he's got like uh, nine or ten sessions that he he works through with the couple. Um, does it does he do it one at a time or in groups? Uh, he doesn't primarily one at a time, but then okay. we do we do Wednesday night marriage type things oh, okay. for that that people can jump in uh, that would help them as a group. But uh, here's the thing: so this is the most important decision outside of trusting Christ. The person you choose to marry is the most important decision of your whole life. And so, people that we talked about, how long do you do you date? You're going you're gonna to make a decision on that after a week, two weeks, three weeks. I mean, that's, that's just ludicrous. Right. I mean, some people, they'll spend more time looking at what kind of car they're going to buy than the person they're going to marry for life. So it's really important to, to have somebody that can take you through the different issues. So you talk about in-laws. You talk about dealing with an ex, which can be really, really oh, me. difficult and sticky. Yes. Um, they, I, how many children do we want to have? Do we want to have children? Who's going? Are you going to stay home with the kids? You know, those are critical issues. Let me see. I think I heard somebody said you got to decide who's going to clean the commode. <laughs> you know, those those are issues, right. and you got to deal. With. Jeff, it's been a joy to have you with us today. Oh, thank you, Bert. Thanks for having me. And it is so good to have you. And by the way, it's from his heart. Yes. Great programming. I was hearing one of our employees today said, "I listened to it on my way home." 
and said, he feeds my soul. Praise the Lord. So keep up that good work. Thank you, brother. You've been listening to By Design, and we appreciate it. If you need more information, you can go to afa.net slash design, and you'll find articles, podcasts, videos to help educate, educate you in your marriage and your family. And we pray that God would bless you and your family, and may you follow him, and may you fulfill God's purpose in your life as an individual as a couple. May God bless you.